Yeah. something testing one two there he goes hey as happens every week we thank you we have the people who are already seated reading stuff like can we get this over with we have the other people that are like we have like three or four more minutes to talk so make everybody unhappy or however that works right hey uh happy day uh, it's it's great to uh, be together today i'd like to wish a happy father's day to all the dads out there and all the guys we have a, a special gift for you on your way out today and uh, the, the children will be passing those out, so be sure and pick those up. Uh, today we have the opportunity to continue in our series through the book of Hebrews, so I want to invite you to grab your Bible and uh, turn there to the letter written to uh, the Hebrews, uh, exactly who that was to, we don't know exactly. I'd like to thank Matt uh, for speaking last week. It allowed me and my family to have the opportunity to go celebrate our grandson's birthday, and it was a roaring good time. Cole, that's your cue right there, roaring good time. There you go. Um, <laughs> Caitlin, who was here moments ago, is in one of those, so I'll let you tell her, let her tell you the story, but we had a really good time, dinosaur-themed birthday party for a four-year-old was loads of fun. So anyway, it's great to be back. Uh, we are uh, in this series in Hebrews, and I have to tell you, I've really been enjoying this and also have been very challenged by this series. Uh, it's a series in which, in all things we do, we're striving to help people discover and experience the life-changing love of Christ. And we're going through the series looking at how Jesus is better, right? Uh, in this series, we've looked at how Jesus is better than the prophets. He's better than the angels. He's better than, than Moses. He's better than, than uh, Joshua. He's better than any of the high priests that came Came before him or after him. Uh, last week, Matthew focused on how growing is better than stagnation. And today, we have the opportunity to look at how new is better than old. And since it's Father's Day, I tried to think of uh, how can we kind of get into this and, and really start working through this process. So I have a question for you, a, a couple of questions, that which would be better to receive as a gift? An old shirt out of your closet or a new shirt, right? Which is better? The new one, an old pair of worn out socks or a pair of new socks, right? Old tie, new tie. I'm trying to think of the things that guys are going to get for Father's Day, right? When, when people go on game shows, right, and they try to win stuff, what do they want to win? They want to win a 1999 broken down old vehicle, right? No, they want to win a new car. When we think about things, we want new. We want to win new things. We want to have new things. We want to buy new things. No one goes to, to AT&T or Sprint or Verizon, whichever one you use, try to cover all of them so as not to get in trouble by anyone. But you don't go in and buy the old, old, old phone that they don't make anymore. You buy a new phone. We want new. Why? Because new is better than old. I think we could all agree, at least for the most part, that new is better than old. Now, here what we find is this author writing to this Jewish audience, making the case that this new covenant of God that is available to them through Jesus is better than the old covenant that God that was given through Moses and the law. But it's not as easy and as simple as just saying, hey, is better than old, accept the new, and go on down the road. See, there was going to be a lot of resistance to this new way of thinking. If you remember back when, when Jesus was with his disciples, and then after his death, burial, and resurrection, when they were talking about Jesus and telling about this, this new thing and about what Jesus had done, who were the ones that were resisting what was being taught? It wasn't the people 
that the people were receiving it, right? 3,000 were added to their number that day, and people were coming to faith in Christ. It, it was the people who were the religious leaders and, and the Jewish people who were committed to upholding the Jewish faith and traditions. So we can almost hear the author writing to this Jewish you know, background people, these Hebrews, saying, hey, I want to point out these old things that you know and you believe and you accept and you... And I want to show how these old things were fine, but new is better than old. And in an attempt for us, in the short period of time we have together today, what we have to do is we have to, to dip into chapter 8 all the way through chapter 9 and chapter 10. So if you've got another hour and a half, we're going to try to cover all of that in, in detail. And that wouldn't even be in detail. What we're going to do is we're going to try to, try to hit some of these main ideas to show how the author was illustrating that new is better than old and how the new covenant under Christ is better than the old covenant presented through Moses. So we're going to dive in and away we go. The new covenant is better than the old covenant. First of all, because of the transformation that it has on the heart. It can transform the heart. The first way we see this is in chapter 8, verses 8 through 12. It's the scripture that, that Jen read for us earlier in the service. The author is quoting from Jeremiah chapter 31 and is sharing God's promise of a new covenant, a promise that was there from the, the Old Testament clear through into the new when it became realized. How the new covenant is an inward covenant. It's a spiritual covenant covenant. In verse 10, it says, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. When you compare the old covenant with the new, you find that while the old covenant had these laws and regulations written in stone, the new covenant we see God's laws are written in and on our hearts. And as I thought about this, it really struck me. The Bible still is, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, the best-selling book of all time with over five billion copies sold and distributed. And while that's amazing, it caused me to really stop and think, having that many copies of the scriptures out there, has it made a real difference? You see, I would suggest that there's a distinct difference between simply having a copy of the scriptures in your hands or on your nightstand and actually having the transformational truth written in and on our hearts, which begs the question, both for us individually and as a community and body of believers, are we truly living under the new covenant and allowing God's word and the person of Jesus to transform our hearts, to be written in and on our hearts? Are we actually living under the new covenant or are we living under the old covenant with the words simply written on a piece of paper or in our society today on a digital screen where they're just kind of there, but, but they don't transform our heart, they don't renew our mind, and they don't change our life? Are we really living under the new covenant or are we just living under the old covenant? New heart transformation is better than old law written in stone. New is better. Amen? I'm going to ask that a lot today to see if you agree, because you don't have to agree. I don't, side note, total tangent, when someone says amen, do you know what that means? It simply means so be it, or I agree, or make it so. It's almost like, make it so, Scott. You're right? It's just like, yes, we are in agreement. And so when I ask that, you don't have to say amen, but if you agree, say amen. Let, let's join in this together to look at what the Scripture says. Another way we see this new covenant is better than the old is because it, it provides a closer relationship with God. 
Again, verse 10 of chapter 8, I will be their God and they will be my people. The, the promise of God has remained constant. God is a God who will be our God and he will be a God to all people who believe in him. But in this new covenant, we see this, that through the life and the words of Jesus, as well as in 2 Corinthians 6 and 1 Peter chapter 2 and Revelation 21, that not only can we have a closer relationship with God now, but that relationship with God will grow as it blends into eternity. And that's that's what we're striving to do, which begs another question that I think we have to consider. And, and while this question is simple, it may be a little probing. It, it may be even a little intrusive, but here you go anyway. Are we, are you growing closer to God through Christ? Are we, as a community of believers, are you as an individual taking advantage of the relationship that's made possible through the new covenant of Jesus to the point where your relationship with God in the next life will simply be an extension of the life here and now, or would it be a completely foreign thing to you to be in the presence of God? Are we allowing God to be God? Are we truly being his people? Are we walking in the new covenant relationship with God through Christ? Is it written in our heart? Are we experiencing these things because of who he is and that relationship or are we living under the old covenant? Third, the new covenant is better than the old because it provides true forgiveness. Uh, look at verse 12. It says, for, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Through Christ, our sins are forgiven. And this is something that the old covenant could never provide. If you think about it, the old, uh, under the old covenant, the sins were rolled back, or as some would suggest, they were pushed forward to the cross so that when Jesus demonstrated his love for us on the cross, both the sins that were committed before the cross and the sins committed after the cross, they were all forgiven and truly forgiven on the cross, which means we can live a life of freedom and joy and forgiveness as we seek to draw closer to God and walk in a relationship with him. So again, new is better than old, and since that's true, or at least I'm proposing that it's true, are we living with this sense of freedom and joy and forgiveness, or are we continuing to carry around guilt and shame and fear, a sense of unworthiness and a sense of failure? Now, I gotta tell you, this is a struggle, right? It's a struggle for me. I know it's a struggle for many of you because of conversations that we've had. And in my experience, I really have had the opportunity to meet with people on both ends of this spectrum and everywhere in between. Uh, when I interact with, with people that are too hard on themselves, I also interact with people who really don't see that they have a, a need and they have no desire for Christ in their life. When I interact with those who are way too hard on themselves, I remind them of God's grace and God's love and his mercy, how he offers us true forgiveness and how, no, we do not deserve anything from Christ and we cannot earn it. That's what makes grace so amazing because it is a free gift from God. We are simply invited to receive it and to live in it and to let it wash over us. When I interact with someone who doesn't truly realize their need for Christ, they just don't have that desire uh, to have his forgiveness in their life, I simply pray for them. And I try to lovingly share truth and encourage them to consider how their life would be different if they were to surrender their life to Christ. Because that's what he desires for them. And in the middle somewhere in there, I, I had this opportunity to interact with people who are humble and thankful for what God has done for them. These are the people who, 
who you know them as well, and they have this sense of joy in their relationship with God. It's not something where they're like, you know, Jesus, Jesus, all the time. And they're also not afraid to talk about it. It's a part of who they are because it is who they are. They're simply walking in that relationship with Christ. And when I'm with these people, I'm very, very encouraged. I'm challenged, and I am encouraged to surrender my will to his, to, to make everything that I do, every area of my life, surrender to him and to live in the joy of my salvation. And I want to encourage you as well to live humbly, to enjoy the freedom and joy that's found in a growing relationship with Christ. Through Christ, we experience true forgiveness. It's part of the new covenant, and new is better than old. Amen? So then we have to jump into chapter 9 of the book of Hebrews. And and the author here takes an interesting turn, okay? And if you have your text there, you can look at it. It's not going to be on the screen. But the author starts talking about the lampstand and the holy place, and the altar, and the ark of the covenant, and the tables, and all of the stuff that's in the tabernacle. And then in verse five, the author says, but we cannot discuss these things in detail now. And I like that. I like that he brings it up, and then it's like, okay, forget all that stuff, because it's not that important. Instead, the author simply gets to the point and says, here is the point, and this is why this is important. There is a new sanctuary You know about this old sanctuary, but there's a new sanctuary, a new tabernacle that's better than old, and it's better than the old because the old was earthly and the new is heavenly. The author goes back again to the things that the audience would have known, the sanctuary, the temple, the tabernacle, the role of the high priest, and how all those things were fine until in chapter 9, verse 10, it says, until a better system could be established. And this better system is the new covenant that was promised long ago through Christ. This new tabernacle was not made with hands. It's not part of the creation. It is heaven itself. In the presence of God, Jesus offered Not the blood of bulls and goats, but he offered himself once and for all. So when he returns, he will bring salvation to all those who are waiting for him, as verse 28 says. And the reason we can have this salvation is because the new covenant through Christ provides a better sacrifice. In chapter 10, that was chapter 9, if you got that, right? Right? The whole chapter. Read it. It's fascinating if you understand it from the Jewish point of view. We've got to move on. Chapter 10, we see the author explaining how this old covenant was a shadow to come. Have you ever tried to grab a hold of a shadow? Right? The old covenant was a shadow of what was to come. It was leading towards something else. It was a reflection of something else. How the sacrifices that occurred time and time again, year after year, were a reminder of the forgiveness that was needed because of sin. But now, through the better sacrifice, through Jesus, Jesus set aside the old covenant, did the will of God, and sacrificed himself once and for all. And as a result, we are made complete and holy before him because of the forgiveness we have in him. Which leads us to this, all right? Because this new covenant is better than the old, it transformed the heart, it provides a closer relationship with God, it provides true forgiveness, it's heavenly, and it has a better sacrifice, Jesus himself. Because of all these explanations and proof as to why the new is better than the old, how should we respond? Well, in verses 19 through 25 of chapter 10, we find both a challenge and an encouragement in the text. So I invite you to to look at it with me. It'll be on the screen. I invite you to follow along. It says, therefore, and when we see a therefore, we have to ask, what's it there for? You want me to repeat all of that, right? 
all of that stuff and more. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have, been, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, what, he, what the author is saying here is that we can enter into this tabernacle, this, this holy place of God, because of the blood of Jesus. We're no longer limited uh, with our access to God. It's not just limited to the high priest, which is what the audience would have understood. Instead, we have confidence to enter into the most holy place by the blood of Jesus and by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. In the tabernacle, quick, quick thing here, in the tabernacle there, there was a curtain or a veil or, or whatever you wanted to call it that separated the Holy of Holies from basically everything else. And the Holy of Holies is where God dwelt. That's where his presence was. And only the high priest, one day a year, the Day of Atonement, could access God by going behind this veil, behind this curtain. But through Jesus and his death on the cross, the scriptures and the gospels tell us that that curtain, that veil was torn from top to bottom, giving us access to God. And since we have a high priest, verse 21 says, remember that Jesus himself is our high priest. A couple weeks ago we talked about that. Since we have a high priest over the house of God, and you've got to go back again, who's the house? Or what's the house? The answer is you, and me, we are the house. Believers are the house of God. Jesus is the high priest over those who believe, over the house. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Because of Jesus, we are, we are able to draw near to God because of what he has done for us. Not stand at a distance, not be separated from the veil or behind the curtain, but we can approach him with the full assurance of what faith brings us, without fear, without guilt, without, uh, without any of those things. We are washed and we are pure because of the love that Jesus has demonstrated toward us. Verse 23, because of all those things, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. We are challenged not to give up, but to persevere, to remain faithful and to have hope. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. One of the things we talk about often here at PCC is how we need each other, and we need to encourage one another. We need to hold each other accountable. We, we need to, to do these things because that's our, our deepest need, and God never designed us to go through this life alone. As a community of believers, we seek to model the life of Jesus. We strive to be a community that, that does prioritize time spent together. We do want to hear and respond to the word of God. We want to, to be a living example of grace to the world around us. That's what we strive to do. It's who we are striving to be. Not to settle for the old way of life that's offered by the world, but live in the new way of life that God offers to us through Christ. That's what the author is desiring for this Jewish audience, for them to live in this new way of life and not return to the old, to not throw away their confidence, but to persevere, to remain faithful because they have that saving relationship with Christ. And this is that is still available to us today. It's, a, it's, a, it's not a new invitation. It's the same invitation that Jesus is better, that new is better than old, and we can accept him and walk in that relationship with him. Amen? Not long ago, um, our vehicle needed new tires. The tires were getting worn, you might say. 
Some of you know what I'm talking about. And, and it wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. We were making it work, being careful. You kind of knew that you slowed down on the corners and didn't drive in the rain and those types of things, right? But it, it, it came time that we had to do something. So I took it in, and uh, they put four brand-new tires on it. Uh, they did the alignment. They checked it all out and told us we were good to go. So I jumped in it and, and to drive it home. And I have to tell you, when I got in the vehicle to drive home, I felt like I was driving on air. You had that experience? You don't realize how bad it is until, or it was until you realize how good it is. It was one of those things where we're like, wow, this is nice. The first time Michelle drove it after that had happened, she said basically that, wow, this is nice. I could get used to this, right? And as I thought about that experience in relation to this text, it, it hit me. I have yet to talk to anyone who's ever gotten brand new tires put on their vehicle and it was all going swimmingly well. And they say, you know what? I'm gonna take this back to the tire shop and I'm gonna ask them to put my old tires back on. Right, anybody done that? No, that doesn't happen, right? And the reason it doesn't happen is because new is better than old. The author here in Hebrews, writing to this audience says, I cannot fathom, I can't imagine this happening. As it says in verse 29, the author can't imagine anyone trampling Son of God underfoot. Uh, surely there's no way that anyone would want to, to go continue with animal sacrifices after learning of Jesus and his one true, much better for us that forgives all of our sins once and for all sacrifice, right? The author can't fathom that people would want to do that. And here's the thing for us here in central New Jersey. I, I have to tell you, I, I really am not worried about because I do not anticipate anyone here today reading through the scriptures, looking at this and saying, you know what? I think there's something to that animal sacrifice thing. I'm gonna start doing that and practicing that every day, right? Now, someone could surprise me, but I just don't foresee that happening. But here's the thing. That doesn't mean that in our lives we don't choose to go back and live our old, old way of life instead of living in a new life. That doesn't mean that we don't figuratively go back to the tire shop and ask for our old tires each and every day. You see, the scriptures talk about us as believers sacrificing or laying down our own lives, surrendering our lives to Christ. Jesus says in Matthew 16, verses 24 and 25, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. In Romans chapter 12, Paul encourages us to be a living sacrifice for God, allowing God through the Holy Spirit to transform our lives so that we can be holy and pleasing to the Lord. We've been bought with a price, the perfect sacrifice, the outpouring of love through Jesus, which gives us grace and mercy and life to the full. But here's the thing, and here's the problem with us being living sacrifices for God. You know what happens to a living sacrifice when they're up on the altar, ready to be sacrificed if they're still alive? They crawl off. Isn't that what we do as well? Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Yeah, I will, just a minute. And we crawl off and we want our own way. We don't want to surrender. And while our intent is never to trample the Son of God underfoot, as, as we fail to surrender to him, as we, as we continue to seek our own in our own interests and our own desires without first surrendering them to God, that trampling may be exactly what we are doing. 
Now, please don't misunderstand what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about like losing your salvation or judgment or those types of things. But, but what I'm pointing toward is how I really think that as believers, we need to be intentional about surrendering our lives to God. We need to intentionally pray. We need to intentionally read the scriptures. We need to intentionally meet together and ask questions and seek to grow, not out of duty or fear or obligation or any of those things, not because we're trying to please God, but because he's already pleased with us, because we want that relationship with him and we want to walk in that true forgiveness that we experience with him. And men, especially fathers, while this call is for all people to surrender and to allow the Holy Spirit to transform our lives, I want to challenge you as fathers and as husbands to lead by example. And on this Father's Day, part of the challenge is to speak into the people in your circle of influence, your spouse and your children, your coworkers, your classmates, your friends, other adults. Speak words of truth and grace and love and encouragement. Correct and train, listen and show respect. Lay down your life love, and in doing so, others can be encouraged by your example. They will see that the new you that is surrendering your life daily to Christ is better than the old you that lived their life for themselves. That this is the type of life change that God offers to us through his son Jesus, a life that is distinctly marked as different because of Jesus, not because of what we do, but because of what he has done. And it gives us transforming power, and it's available to everyone because Jesus is better. Amen? Amen? Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We praise you for being a God who loves and gives and shows mercy and grace. We thank you. It truly is not dependent upon us, but it's all about you. We humbly ask that you convict us of those areas in our lives where we choose the old over the new. God, we pray that you would help us to walk in your transforming power and your relationship. Help us to trust you with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. Help us to lean not on our own thoughts, but to seek you and your will as you direct our path. God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you most of all for your son, Jesus, who makes all of this possible. It's in his name. We all pray together and we say, amen. We, we've invested a lot of time talking about what it means to have Jesus offer himself for us so that we can have hope in life and, and experience the love that he's offered to us. It's something we seek to emphasize and keep in its proper place every week, and that's one of the reasons we celebrate communion every week. In just a moment, the, the students are going to be passing the trays, and they're going to pass the bread, which represents his body, and the juice, which represents his blood, and as they do that, we invite you to partake to take of the bread and to take of the juice and to celebrate the life we have, new life that is better than old because of what Christ has done for us. So I'm gonna invite the ushers to come forward at this time as we partake in communion together.